For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. So much to talk about. So much, in fact, that we're going to get right to it. We're going to we're going to spare the introductions. The Titans have a preseason game behind them. They've got joint workouts and and a preseason game with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers coming up. So let's get right to it. John Glennon, welcome back. First of all, thank you, Malik Willis showed some flashes. There were highlights in his preseason performance, but. Mike Vrabel wanted to see him throw the ball more and eventually took him out as a result. You uh, you have a story up at alltitans.com that sort of breaks down some of uh, some of his issues in that game. Give us a give us a sense of what Malik Willis didn't do well or didn't do enough to to Mike Vrabel's liking, I guess. Yeah, you know, I I think what what we see in Malik Willis as you said the good things are, you know, tremendous playmaking ability, you know, you see the ceiling that that's going to be there. You saw that long uh pass that he put great touch on to to McMath, that reverse field run for the touchdown, you know, and also that that run left off angle throw, you know, across his body that was complete. So you see what they like about him, but the, you know, I, I think Mike Vrabel was going to be perfectly willing to play Malik Willis even more than he did in the second half. I think the original plan was to have him play that that first half only. Then they decided, hey, let's let's uh, let's ride with him a little bit more in the third, as long as he'll throw the ball. Uh, and and unfortunately, you know, Malik um, didn't throw it as as much as Mike Vrabel wanted. And it's backed up by some of the stats in, in my story there today. You know, I, I noted, for instance, uh, and these are these are PFF Pro Football Focus stats, which are always very good. Um, he uh, his average time to get off a pass was three point eight six seconds. That was the most of any quarterback. I think there were eighty two quarterbacks that that you know threw at least a pass in the preseason, and, and his was the highest. Um, you know, and I think that speaks to two things. One, he's pretty good about creating extra time. You know, with his legs. 
On the other hand, though, that there need to be some times where he just needs to get rid of that football, see that first open receiver, make that decision and fire that pass. He did not do that enough for Mike Brable's liking as the game went along. I think there's hesitation. You know, he's kind of freezing up a little bit. He's not used to NFL defenses. That's what he is going to have to improve on uh, moving forward, just making that quick decision, trusting his progressions, trusting his decision-making. And, and that's where we're going to see, uh, you know, Malik Willis take the next step. It is it is his first preseason game, his his first time running an NFL huddle in a game and seeing the speed of the NFL game and it, and or something close to the speed, I guess, of an NFL game. So, Denard Walker, I guess the question for you is, are you more encouraged by the highlights you saw or, or were what? Was it a little bit disappointing that he didn't have a better grasp of, of the, the overall passing scheme to you? Well, I must have been watching the wrong game because <laughs> when I was, <laughs> Mike Vrabel had all of that to say. But you know what? That's a good thing. That means when a coach is he's critiquing you like that, that means there's high expectations for you this year. But I tell you what, the design play, the athleticism that he showed throughout the course of the game, it, it had me in awe. David, I'm going to tell you something. That first play where he goes right, makes the defense flows that way, reverses around the field, and he's able to elude a defender, and that ends up, what, in a score? Man, let me tell you something. You can't coach that. That's natural ability. But the fact that he came back, and what I love about it, we talked about the pass. What did I say about quarterbacks? You want to see quarterbacks do what? They want to put the ball in a spot. That 48-yard pass on play action to Racy McMath, hey, let me tell you something. There's a lot of pro quarterbacks now that are starting, can't make that throw. That was right near the sideline. I love that. And then not to mention the decision-making in the red zone. He took a sack. Came back after the sack. The pocket collapses. What did he do? He stepped up, got some positive yards in the red zone, which ended up and uh, ended up in my big man Randy ended up kicking a thirty-three yard field goal. So the fact that he was able to do the little things, which added up, which added up to something big, that was phenomenal. So again, if he takes the next step, watch out. This guy is for real. Yeah, I think it was. I think it was sort of everything you expected in a way, right? You saw the athleticism, like that, that wasn't a surprise to anybody. You know, his ability to throw a deep ball. Well, it is not a surprise to anybody. His first throw of the game was one probably could have, should have been a, a pick six. You know, he, he was late with that throw. And, and that's one of the things that he has to clean up. But the, the, the one thing that really jumped out at me was he never looked whatever he was dealing with from an inexperienced standpoint he didn't look panicky he didn't look ner- you know like w- when he was running he knew when when a play was over and and knew enough to just step out of bounds and and he wasn't trying to prove anything that way there was a uh, uh, there there was a real there was a real calm about his game that i think uh, I, I think it, again, it's probably as advertised and it's, uh, it, it's, you know, it's, it's just a question of, of more experience and, and getting him, getting him to more comfortable with what he has to do. Because you look at, you look at the, most of the passes he completed, you know, there was the, there was a short throw. It was like about two yards downfield. I think to Tommy Hudson, that was spectacular in its own right. Cause it was underhand as he was going left, but there was also a short pass to Julius Chestnut, a short pass to Hassan Haskins. It's the, you know, it's the stuff where he's, he's got to, got to read the defense, got to understand the route combinations and, and where to go with the ball that, that he has to, he has to get sorted out at this point. But I, 
you know, we certainly have not seen the last of him this preseason. I suspect before the end of the preseason, he's going to play start to finish in a game because I think they want him, you know, they want him to be the number two as quickly as possible, whether that's at the start of the regular season, whether that's at some point in the regular season, you know, the, the question was asked on Saturday about the competition for number two quarterback and, and is it open at this point? So I'll go back to you, John, do do you see it as a, as a legitimate competition, as a close competition? Where, where do you see that, that equation with Malik Willis and Logan Woodside right now? Yeah, I do think it's a legit competition for sure. And I think it's honestly, I think it's more of a competition now at this early stage than I thought it would be. Um, you know, I, I looked, uh, you know, maybe even just a few weeks ago as we were getting ready for camp, I was kind of looking at this season probably as, you know, almost like a red shirt season for, for Malik. You know, the, the thought was that he's going to really need, you know, some time to adjust to, to you know, more complicated defenses, you know, uh, you know, obviously a much higher level of competition than he saw at, at, at Liberty and so forth. Um, but I agree with you. I think they would prefer him to be the number two guy at this point. Uh, a, because obviously that means you only have to carry two quarterbacks. You know, I, I think if uh, obviously if, if he doesn't win the new number two job uh, and Logan is the number number two quarterback, you're, you're still going to have to obviously carry Malik uh, as a third quarterback, which eliminates another roster spot. And I think they want him to win that number two spot, too, because ultimately he has a far higher ceiling uh, than, than Logan Woodside does. He's got much more potential as a playmaker. Uh, you know, and the sooner they can get that in the lineup, uh, the better. So, yeah, uh, you know, I, I think if he can show two things, uh, one, you know, if he can steer clear of, of the turnovers, which he, uh, you know, which he did with a little bit of help in that in that first game. Um, and if he can improve that, you know, that initial quick decision making uh, and that that timing, you know, I, I certainly think he's got a, a real shot at number two, more so than I than I would have guessed at the, at the beginning of, of training camp. Denard, where are you on this? Should should we be thinking about Malik Willis as as number two right now? Does that does that make the most sense for this team, or or is that a little premature? After this game, yes, because Logan didn't help himself with those two costly turnovers. <laughs> that that was kind of, I was baffled because that's not Logan Woodside, but. You know, just the fact that they started him, I was anticipating Logan Woodside getting the go, and then they would bring in Malik the third quarter, but it was the complete opposite. And what you love about him is the fact that I've always been told that if a coach is critical of a young player, that coach is trying to get that young player ready ASAP. And the fact that they got him in in the first quarter, what I love about him is when you talked earlier in the podcast, you said he doesn't get rattled. That's what I, I want to use the word rattle. He, he has a calmness about him. That's what you like about him because the first two series, I was like, you know what? He continued to get out of the pocket and that's not his fault. That was the fact that the defensive line for Baltimore was pushing the Titans offensive line backwards. So again, he couldn't step up. He had to move laterally rather than step up and run. But what you love about him is his decision-making skills. Once again, he's a smart player. You can see that. You can see why he was uh, so highly regarded as a number one or excuse me, going in the first round. And I'm going to tell you something right now, if he comes out and play the way that he played against Tampa in the next preseason game and Logan, if he, if he can't really pick it up, then again, it's probably clear cut who's the number two quarterback is. I'll say this though. 
you know, and because I, I have this discussion with folks on Twitter from time to time, people people greatly underestimate the the respect that Logan Woodside has within the uh, within the building am- among those coaches specifically. And I, and I chuckled. Quarterbacks coach Pat O'Hara went out of his way to bring up on Monday that Woodside attempted seven third down passes on Thursday night against the Ravens and five of them were completed for first downs. And, and he pointed to that as uh, you know, efficiency and understanding of the offense and, and that sort of thing. So, uh, you, you know, Logan Woodside's not going to go down with a fight. And I, I almost look at this as it's not even a competition between those two so much. It is, it is a competition between Malik Willis and whatever Titans coaches think is enough for him to be the backup quarterback, because that, you know, like to John's point, his ceiling is so high. You're going to get him there. Like, like hypothetically, if, if quarterbacks are on a scale from one to 50 and if, and it, and it's considered that once you're a 30, you know, you're good enough to be a backup, say the moment Malik Willis gets to a 30 or, or whatever that would be in, in the Titans coach's eyes, he becomes the number two guy, even if Logan Woodside's a 38, right? Like, I mean, once, once you're comfortable that he's the guy who can, who can get you through a game can, can, you know, can be a starter. If Brian Tannehill's hurt, whatever that's, then, then there you go. That's, that's what you're, that's what you're going to do with him. And it's going to be the same thing with Ryan Tannehill in the starting job at some point that, you know, almost certainly it's not going to be this year, but once they decide he knows enough and understands enough, they're going to say, Ryan, thanks for everything. You know, it's time, it's time to go with the kid, but, uh, but certainly, you, you know, you compare, you compare his performance to some of the other rookie quarterbacks the other night. And it, uh, and it, and it gives you a lot to be excited about Matt Corral, for example, was I think one for nine passing for Carolina for 11 yards. Uh, Kenny Pickett completed 13 of 15, but averaged well under 10 yards of completion. It was barely, barely more than six yards of completion, I think. So there's uh, you know, there, there, there's a lot to get excited. We've, we've talked a lot about Malik Willis. We will continue to talk about him going forward. Um, that, that is, you know he is he is just that kind of guy one one guy we have not talked about on this podcast yet and it and it he warrants discussion at this point is rookie running back julius chestnut who also got the start thursday against baltimore finished as the titans leading rusher in that game and uh you know drew some generally positive reviews he 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 did fumble on the second possession of the game but coaches stuck with him he he made some plays after that so uh you know, John Glennon, back to you. Is is Julius Chestnut a factor in in this backfield picture right now? Where, of course, you have Derrick Henry, you have fourth round pick Hassan Haskins, and you've got Dontrell Hilliard, the uh, sort of the the change of pace back right now. Yeah, I, I still think Julius Chestnut's you know is facing uh, long odds, uh, you know, uh, to to make the roster. I, I think. Uh, you know, they certainly want to see as much as they can of, of Julius Chestnut, if not for the 53, then, then certainly for a practice squad position, uh, you know, because when it comes down to it, as you say, you look at the number, you say, you say Derrick Henry, uh, you know, Hassan Askins, you know, unless he completely falls apart in, in his first training camp, he's a fourth round draft pick. He is probably going to make this roster. Uh, Dontrell Hilliard. Uh, you know, and, and even Trenton Cannon is another running back, even though he's going to be mainly special teams. So how many running backs are, are you going to keep? But, you know, uh, when when we saw Chestnut make that big run against the Ravens, 
that was certainly not the first time we have seen him make a uh, an impressive run here during training camp. Um, you know, he's he's had a handful of them in uh, in practices, and you know, this could be a, a a really interesting gem they've they've unearthed. You know, Sacred Heart uh, College, for goodness sakes. But but he, this dude is a load. I mean, he's five eleven, two hundred and twenty eight pounds. Um, and, and again, you know, if he winds up making the practice squad or, or, you know, by some stretch, you know, even making the 53, what a find by, uh, by the organization, uh, because really you have to go back to 2019, uh, to the last time this guy had a complete season, you know, he had, uh, just, uh, 2021, mostly out due to injury, just four games in 2020 because of COVID, so you go way back in 2019, he was running up some big numbers. He had about 1,500 yards, averaged about five carries. He had 11 touchdowns. But, of course, that was for Sacred Heart. But still, you know, if, if he can uh, find his way to, to any production, and I think the Titans are certainly going to give him opportunity, um, what a, uh, as I say, what a uh, what a gem the Titans might have come across here. Denard, what did you think as you watched him? I, I think you – I think I would assume you were like the rest of us. You thought, Wow. I didn't expect to see him out on the field first, did you? Not really, but you know what? He could be this year, Makai Sargent. Last year, Makai Sargent actually uh, displayed a lot of uh, a lot of talent, you know. But, John, I think there's a lot of people at Sacred Heart would be mad at you right now for saying, <laughs> well, you know, listen, <laughs> that's just Sacred Heart because if you look at that at the FCS last year, I'll tell you what, there's a lot of players in the league right now from, from the FCS. If you look at Jimmy Garoppolo, Darius Leonard, uh, South Carolina State. Trey Lance is getting ready to take over at North uh, for the San Francisco 49ers. Super Bowl MVP Cooper Cup, uh, James Bradbury, a player that I like. But again, I tell you what, Julius Chestnut, what I love about him is we go back to that zone run uh, in the first half. And I'm going to tell you something. It, it just wasn't that he hit the hole. It was the way that he hit it. And, you know, Tennessee loves that zone, that zone run. That's one of their favorite runs. I watched his offense all the time. And what I noticed about him, there were like four defenders that he broke those tackles. I mean, it was amazing the power that he showed, that he displayed. That's what you want in a back. You want that physicality. And what what you love about that play, it was, what, a 30 yards, a 30-yard gainer, is the fact that little plays like that, when you get those long gains, it ends up putting Tennessee in scoring position because a couple plays later – Malik ends up hitting Hassan over the middle. What I love about Hassan, not to get off of Julius, but it was the fact that when he stiffed on the defender, he got another 10 yards, which ended up uh, culminating into a score. What I love about these young backs the other night, uh, David, is the fact that the physicality that they displayed. When you think about Tennessee, you think of a team that is physical. So once again, I think Julius helped himself by just doing the little things. And that's what adds up. And that's what ends up uh, allowing you to get a job in the National Football League is just doing the basics, especially your your first time out there. Yeah, and and he, you know, he he did commit the cardinal sin of of putting the ball on the ground, which you uh, which you certainly want to do, don't want to do your first time out there either. But uh, but but as I said, came back and 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 played well. Tony Dews, the running backs coach, said he, uh, you know, he. He, the, the chestnut really didn't say anything when he came to the sideline after the fumble, just, uh, you know, just knew, knew what he had done wrong and, and kind of had a look in his eye that Tony Deuce said, I had, I had no problem putting him back in the game and, uh, and, and trust him. Like, uh, you know, you, at, 
when I watched it, I kind of felt like, okay, well, he's a Maryland kid. It's just a, you know, a little tip of the cap to his hard work. We're going to let him be the starter in Maryland. But, but as you've talked to people, as I've talked to people, the, the last couple of days, it, it, it's more than that. It's, you know, no, this guy's, this guy's playing and playing well. And, and maybe, you know, maybe it's trying to light a fire under Hassan Haskins too. Not that he has been bad, but maybe, maybe they're looking for a little something from him that he hasn't shown yet. And they're, you know, they're trying to send that message that look, you know, nothing, nothing is guaranteed in this league. So, uh, so you, you know, you've, you've got to, you've got to work for this. I, I fully expect, uh, I fully expect, chestnut will be you know a practice squad guy barring any sort of injuries or whatnot but if you're the titans now you you have to be concerned that you know is he going to be too good in the preseason and some team that actually does need a running back is going to say hey when they cut him you know we're we're going to pick him up but uh that's uh that 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 is that is a guy that when they when they signed their undrafteds, I, I I must admit I didn't know a lot about him, and I I certainly didn't think I needed to know a lot about him. But he is uh, he he is off to a good start. One guy that that we all know about that we've talked about, Traylon Burks was not as exciting as Malik Willis in the in the game at Baltimore. Didn't have a catch. Had one short carry. Uh, you know, Mike Rabel was was critical of of him as well. Mike Rabel hard on this on the rookies right now, but uh, or at least the draft class said uh, said that that Traylon Burks didn't take what they had sh- what he had shown on the practice field and show the same sort of things in the uh, in the game. So so John, what what does Traylon Burks need to show to look more like the the player the Titans expect him to be right now? I, I mean, I think there there were at least you know some good signs certainly for Traylon Burks. One of them, you know, and I think we've probably all seen some video clips uh, of the fact that you know on on at least one or two occasions, Traylon Burks was running down the middle of the field, pretty uh, wide open, and, and should have had the ball thrown to him, and uh, it just didn't happen. You know, we we've talked about some of the little bit of the hesitation issues. Uh, with with Malik Willis earlier, and, and I think one or two times, you know, if, if it's a if it's a veteran quarterback, I, I think that ball goes to Traylon Burks, and and we maybe have a different uh, impression of him in in his first game. I also like the fact that that you know Rob Moore uh, praised Traylon Burks' blocking uh, in that preseason game. We all know how important uh, wide receiver blocking is for the Titans and for Mike Brable, so that's a good sign. Um, what what I think also though you know I, I think we have to remember and and uh, you know I'm I'm not uh, trying to be too soft on Traylon Burks but uh, you know he did miss the entire off season you know which is going to make life a little harder for him in training camp because he didn't have any kind of a base um, after missing all all but you know uh, a few practices in the off season and you know the the offense it's sort of like Malik Willis sort of the offense that they ran at Arkansas. You know, it was an RPO uh, kind of based offense, you, you know, not a tremendous amount of routes. So he's his learning curve, I think, is going to be a little bit greater um, than, than, say, A.J. Brown's was, you know, a few years ago when he came out of a real uh, passing offense at, at Ole Miss. Um, nonetheless, you got to find a way to be productive. Everybody's expecting that. And the one thing the, uh, the Titans don't want to see is him – you know, maybe given up on a, on a route or two, whether that's in practice or in the games. And, and I think, you know, in, in practice the other day, I noticed he, he seemed a little frustrated, maybe wasn't going quite as hard after a long pass. 
uh, as, as he should have. He was well covered by Kristen Fulton. And and one of his teammates kind of, you know, came up to him afterwards a little bit and, and kind of said, look, you know, in, in so many words, you know, that that's one thing we can't have. You know, you got to be you got to be finishing basically every play. So that is one thing that's unacceptable. Some of the other things I think we're going to have to wait and there's a bigger learning curve for Traylon Burks. Denard, what did what did you sort of expect out of Traylon Burks in this game? What did you what did you notice from from your seat on the couch? What did what did you think? Well, listen, from a player's perspective, and it's the first preseason game, I don't expect the player to come out there and you know and catch you know seven passes for 127 yards. That's not going to happen because most of the time when you go into that first preseason game, you only get in half of what you're going to get into get into the regular season. I mean, for what they're going to call. So everything is basic. And then a lot of it is, is a lot of the play is predicated on timing, which means that how much time does a quarterback and that receiver have they worked on that in practice? Now I'm not there physically in Nashville to see if Malik and Traylon are working constantly together. But what I have to say is, that sometimes it's going to take some time to get the timing down. This is the first preseason game. What you want to do in the preseason is that you want to, you're trying to find some chemistry. You're trying to find a way to work through the ebbs and flows. So when it, when the regular season comes, you know, you're going a hundred miles an hour, but right now I didn't expect him to come out and put on a performance like he put on against Kentucky or Georgia or somebody like that. So again, I, I love the aggressiveness. I love the fact that it was in a third or fourth quarter where he ran a post route and I believe Logan just threw it up there to see if he can go get it. But unfortunately the safety play was right in the middle of the field. So he made a great play, but I love that. That's what you're supposed to do when you have a receiver that's six foot three, 220 pounds. So once again, it's just timing. And it's the fact that again, I know he hasn't had an off season, but what I wanted to ask is because I, I kind of, I alluded to once the off season is over and before training camp, he'll have about four weeks to kind of get in shape, get into what I call camp shape. Has he been missing practice in camp? He has he not. not. He has no, not. And, and I said that would be a non-issue. So I'm glad that we're not talking about that. But again, it's it, for a rookie, it, you know, and I can attest to this because I went through it. It, it. it takes a while. It takes you sometimes about six weeks. It may take a rookie eight weeks. It may take a year. I don't know. But again, right now they're just trying to find some chemistry and I'm, I'm glad Mike Vrabel is all over these guys that's what you're supposed to do when you expect a lot and that's going to be put on their plate because these are players that might end up especially Traylon Burks as your starting receiver come uh, in September versus the Giants and, and Denard you lead me right into to the point I wanted to make and Traylon Burks should deserve should get full credit for this particularly after the offseason he had if you go back and look at this team's first-round draft picks the last few years, Caleb Farley did not play in week one of the preseason last year. 2020, there was no preseason, but clearly Isaiah Wilson wasn't ready, wouldn't have played if there was. 2019, Jeffrey Simmons was still rehabbing. He didn't play in week one. 2018, Rashawn Evans did not play in week one of the preseason. 2017, Corey Davis did not play at all in the preseason because he was he was injured. The fact that, that, that Traylon Burks was out there and got a respectable number of plays and 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 got some game experience under his belt is 
it, it is commendable. You know, you, you can even throw A.J. Brown in that mix in 2019. A.J. Brown didn't play until the second week of the preseason, his rookie year, because he was uh, he was dealing with a little something. So, the you know, this uh, – you know, give give Burks credit for that much because we, you know, we banged on him pretty good at points during the offseason. I, I do, I, I believe it was Todd Downing, though. I was curious. Uh, it might, it was, it was Todd Downing on Sunday, I believe, was was talking and and he didn't mention Burks specifically, but I was wondering if it was if it was Burks he was talking about and and one of the things that you know they saw in this preseason game that I guess isn't isn't a big surprise is that some guys, you know, ran through zones rather than sit down where they were supposed to in the defense. And I, and I'm wondering, I'm, I'm kind of assuming that, that Burks was one, one of the guilty parties in, in that part too. But, uh, but you know, that, that's where game experience comes in, where you get that, you know, you get that feel of defenders being around you and, uh, and, and, and knowing, okay, I can just stop here and, and, I'll be good. The quarterback will find me, and then I can run after the catch. So it's uh, it's called the soft spot in the zone. It, it is. It, and it, it, it takes your former it takes teammate rookie, yeah. Frank Wycheck was the master. Oh, he was at, a master. I, I I will never forget when I when I learned to sort of watch him do that. It was uh, it was remarkable, and and it probably does take a certain amount of time. You know, and, and sort of almost courage like it probably goes against your instincts to just stop and stand still in the middle of a play doesn't it i mean i would i would think for any a player at any position that that feels unnatural at that point but that's 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 when i when i talk about chemistry between like a quarterback and a receiver how many times have we saw where a quarterback he's expecting a receiver to do one thing and he does another but he ends up throwing a pick and then you see the quarterback gets all over the receiver but with Frank Wachek and Steve McNair, when you when you have continuity, that develops chemistry. When you have that chemistry, you just know, okay, instead of me running, if I got a 15-yard post route, but I know right now if the safety's deep and I know I can sit, a quarterback should be and a receiver should be on the same page. That When you develop that chemistry, you just know, okay, he's going to sit. If a safety's playing high, and I know I told you, you on the playbook it says 17 yards or 20 yards, you can, you can, you can, what you can do, you can cut it off at about, let's say, 10 or somewhere between 14 yards or something. Cut it off short. That's what they used to do at Denver. If you see a high man, then what you, why would you want to run right to the, uh, to the safety or the, we call it the high safety? You learn that over time. Now, when it's a rookie, a rookie would run right to the safety. It's natural. I'm telling you because that's what you're learning as you go. It takes experience. It, that's, that's called game experience. It just, it takes time. And once Traylon, he starts to get the timing down or he develops the chemistry with Ryan or Malik, he will know, okay, instead of me having to run the post like he did the other night, he ran right to the safety. He went right to the safety. So what you want to do in, in, in situations like that, it, it'll take time. Just learn to shut it down. And when a quarterback and a receiver is on the same page, they it's like ESP. They, they know what each other's going to do before they ever do it. Yeah, I was I was just going to add one quick point too that I touched on a little bit, but got to remember too, Traylon Burks uh, is is essentially kind of learning new positions with with the Titans too, because you know at Arkansas, I think the stat was seventy five percent of his snaps last year came out of the slot. You know, a lot of those passes he got, you know, was run a few yards, he'd have some separation, get him the ball, 
get him a couple of blockers, and all of a sudden he has 15 yards because, you know, he, he was great yards after the catch. So, you know, he didn't play a ton of snaps outside, which he's going to be doing certainly more often than not, uh, you know, here for the Titans. So that, that's another bit of the, the learning curve that I think Traylon Burks uh, is dealing with as well. As we are uh, as we are moving towards the end of our time here, let's uh, let's take a look real quickly. Tuesday was the day rosters were reduced to uh, eighty five players, and you know last year the Titans had guys with COVID and and some injuries and things. I think they ended up having to release one player on this day. This this time they had to they had to make the full move. Five guys got cut: wide receiver Josh Malone, veteran running back Jordan Wilkins, offensive lineman Carson Green free agent rookie defensive lineman Haskell Garrett and defensive back Deontay Burton, who had only been here a matter of days or are out of work. The Titans also on this day claimed uh, veteran cornerback Lonnie Johnson off waivers from the, uh, from the Houston Texans. And they have made a, uh, a minor trade for a safety Tyree Gillespie, which Gillespie, a, 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 a fourth round pick by the Raiders last year. Safety is safety has been a bit of an issue in, in camp this year so far. Safety depth. Amani Hooker has missed time. Josh Kalou, who they added right before camp, has been uh, has been eating up a lot of those snaps in practice right now. So this uh uh Titans trying to navigate their way through this camp in preseason with uh with Tampa Bay this week, uh Arizona the next week, John Glennon we we've we Denard and I talked about this a bit last week, but you've got uh you've got these practices. It's what how much of these practices what I guess what's more important, the practices or the preseason game, do you think? Uh I would say very likely the uh the practices. Um, you know, because A, you're getting a couple uh days worth of work. Uh B, you're gonna see, you know, first team uh against first team. You know, a, a lot of work in in that regard, which is not what you're going to see on on Saturday night. We're going to see something similar to what we saw against the Ravens, where it's primarily you know second and and third team guys. So I I, I really think uh, we're going to see an awful lot in in these uh, in the next couple of days of practice. You know, in particular, you know, we we've talked about that right tackle position, and I think this is going to be a huge couple of days for for Dylan Raines and and Nicholas uh, Petit Frere. You know, I, I as I wrote earlier this week, I, I think, you know, Dylan Raidens has shown most part he can be effective as a as a run blocker, but he's gonna have to show in these practices that he's gonna be able to stand up uh against some pretty good uh you know pass rushers, you know, potentially the likes of a of a Shaq Barrett and so forth. I think that's gonna be you know, a big situation. And I'm also looking forward to uh, you know, really getting to see Ryan Tannehill with some of these new pass catchers. Um, you know, we, we mentioned Traylon Burks, but also obviously Robert Woods is new. Kyle Phillips, the slot guy, is is new. Uh, you know, the tight ends, Austin Hooper, Chico Conquo. We've seen all these guys work against the Titans defense. But, you know, I think it always adds an element, you know, when, when you're going against uh, an opponent. And, and again, we're going to see those first teamers like Ryan Tannehill uh, work. Uh, against the uh, against the Bucks as as opposed to Saturday's preseason game, which we won't see as much of. Denard, guys won't be tackling each other. There won't be cut blocks, those sorts of things. That you know these these practices, you know they'll, they'll, they'll talk about taking care of each other, and 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 these are pros. They will do that sort of thing. But but how competitive do these get 
compared to a, a regular practice. I, I mean, it is it is not just like any other day at the ranch, right? D- David, where were you last year when these two scrimmaged each other? Now, wasn't there a fight between A.B. and who, who, was the, who was that fight? I saw that all over Twitter and everything. Who, who got it? A.B. versus, was it Chris Jackson? Was that the fight? That, that sounds yeah, familiar. That sounds yeah, right. I mean, I mean, okay. Yeah. That shows yeah. you the competitiveness when you practice. I, I used to hate practicing against other teams because that's typically what happens, especially when you're a starter. And I, and I give you a little hint. We practiced the Rams after the Super Bowl the following year. And I'm going to tell you something. We had to probably needed to cancel that last practice because it started getting <laughs> heated up. But you're going to see that. Guys are going to they're going to compete. But you know what? I'm interested. I want to watch a matchup. Mr. Julio Jones is back. You don't think he's going to, when he gets on that practice field, you don't think he has something to say and he wants to say it with some action. He wants to put a little mustard on him. You don't think Julio is sit back saying, I'm going back to Nashville and I'm going to put on a show, even if it, it, even if it is practice. You think so, practice, he'll, he'll be that competitive. You want practice. to say, I bet you, I bet you $10 okay. right now is going to be competitive. I bet he, I bet he plays 10 snaps and sits out the rest. That's training camps the last few years. But I tell you what, another thing uh, we need to talk about is, and I want to, I want to point this to David is I wanted you to, I want you to tell me if Roger McCurry, if he covers Julio Jones and Roger, I want you to tell me how with his hand size, did it affect, <laughs> <laughs> I, I want you to tell me if those two match up and send me something like, so I can, I can tell you, David. I told you so. All right, yeah, we're we're gonna tease. We're gonna we're gonna tease this. John John Glennon has been wanting to talk for weeks about Roger McCreary's <laughs> arm length, which apparently they're oh really short. Gosh. We haven't gotten to it, but that'll that'll set us up perfectly for a review of that next week, where we can uh, we we can we can get to it. But uh, that is that is all the time we have for tonight. Uh, we thank you, as always, for listening. This is the Believe in Titans podcast with Denard Walker, John Glennon, and I am David Beauclair. Thank you all. We'll talk to you next time. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early, so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts, so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.